10 today from uh, the 46th verse, verse through verse 52. So I'd invite you to hear now the word of the Lord. The words will be on the screen, and you're also welcome to follow along in your own Bibles if you have them. And remember, Jesus and his disciples had been traveling to Jerusalem, and so here we pick up the story. They came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And, when, and then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Some of you have looked at your watch and you cried out just like Bartimaeus, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. But we'll keep it tight today. Supposed to be Pastor Appreciation Month, Brian. We'll try to keep it tight, okay? All right, here we go. So sometimes the silliest movies can speak something pretty true about life. Do you ever have one of those silly movies that you just like to watch? You know, maybe you don't even care if other people know about it, but it, it comes on TV and you're going to stop everything. You're going to finish that movie out. One of those movies for me is, and I'm going to date myself here, Groundhog Day. Anybody know Groundhog Day? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. All right, Groundhog Day is a movie from the 90s, which wasn't really that long ago. Okay. Um, starred Bill Murray, Andy McDowell. If you didn't know what it was or hadn't seen it in a while, I'll sum it up super quick. Spoiler alert. In the 90s, if you don't know by now, that's kind of on you. Um, so Bill Murray is a, a hotshot weatherman in a big city. He's got a little chip on his shoulder. He is sent to go cover the Groundhog Day Festival in a small town in Pennsylvania, and he's not too happy about it. He wants to get it over with and get back to his ambition. But while there, he gets stuck in a snowstorm, and he has to spend the night. And he wakes up in the morning and discovers that he's been stuck in a time loop. And he actually wakes up every morning and it's the same morning over and over and over again. It is always Groundhog Day. That's the movie. There's, it's a pretty fun situation. You can do a lot with that. And I like that. Uh, but, but as silly as it might be, there's something in that concept that rings true. And you can tell by the way that people shortly thereafter started using the phrase Groundhog Day in regular conversation to describe a repetitive series of unfortunate events. I did that. That continues to repeat itself over and over again. Even uh, the phrase Groundhog Day made it into a presidential speech uh, during the military operations in Bosnia where the soldiers were so, their situation was so repetitive, they referred to it as Groundhog Day. 
over and over. Same stuff, different day. You know, sometimes life can feel a little bit like Groundhog Day. Same stuff, different day. We can get stuck in these lifeless patterns. Maybe it's wake, work, repeat. Maybe it's drop them off, pick them up, get their homework done, repeat. Maybe it's doctor on Monday, doctor on Tuesday, doctor every day. You get stuck. And our schedules aren't the only things that repeat themselves. We get stuck in these internal patterns too, like this regular repetitive feeling like life is out of control. Stuck maybe in these dead-end habits that we didn't even mean to get stuck in, but here we are. Or maybe along the way that we just lose a sense of meaning and purpose and just the stuff of staying alive seems so dull and repetitive. It seems like we're stuck and it's hard to move forward. And it can happen in our faith life too. Somewhere along the way you just recognize, hey, I don't, I don't have that same passion for God that I have. Uh, I've felt God's presence less and less and then things get stale and get stuck. It reminds me of one of my favorite songs from the band U2. It'll date me a little bit, but that's okay. I'm feeling mighty old today. Uh, they've got this song, and the, and the lines go like this. It says, you've got to get yourself together. You've got stuck in a moment, and now you can't get out of it. You've got stuck in a moment. And that happens to us, and no matter how hard we try to make a change, it feels like we're stuck and can't get out. Well, in Mark chapter 10, we meet a man who is stuck in a moment that he cannot get out of. His name is Bartimaeus. He is the son of Timaeus, and he is blind, and he is a beggar, and he's stuck in this routine day after day of going to this same spot on the highway and begging for money so that he has money to live. And the the reasons that he's stuck are kind of obvious to start with. I mean, there's some external reasons that are clear right at the back. So he's blind, and he can't work, and so he's got to live. And so you can kind of see how that sticks him in the situation a little bit. But there are also some cultural factors at play that have him stuck, too. For example, medicine was nowhere near advanced enough to even pretend to deal with his problem. It It just wasn't there. And even if it was, there was the big idea at the time that an, an, an issue like his sickness was caused by sin and not by biology. And by the way, if you're interested, Jesus kind of puts that idea to rest in John chapter 9. But then there's the idea of this. How does somebody with a disability like his get by in the first century at all? There's The, the Roman Empire wasn't big on uh, accessibility uh, and helping make a way for everybody. So you have that going on. But there's also, if you look at the the story, uh, it gives us a clue to maybe another internal or relationship issue that has him stuck. And you might have noticed that the only time we actually hear his name is when Mark introduces him to us. And from then on, every time the Bible refers to him, what do they refer him to him as? The blind man, right? He's not Bartimaeus for the rest of the story. He's the blind man. Three times uh, they refer to him, and each time it's just the blind man. It's kind of like The people around him, that's all they know and care to know about who he is. Just that blind guy. It's kind of sad to be reduced like that. It's 
Somebody in here knows exactly what that feels like, I'm sure of it. I mean, we know that he's not just a guy who's blind. He's, he's got a life. He's got a family. We even know his father's name. He's got hopes. He's got dreams. And he's, he's a, a child of God, and God loves him dearly. We know all this, but the people around him, just it doesn't appear that they see any of that. They just He's just that blind guy. That's who he is. And so all of these things together and maybe some other things have Bartimaeus stuck in this lifeless pattern. Wake up, leave the house, go to this spot, hope I have enough money to eat, go home, enduring the insults of the people around me, wondering if anything's ever going to change, lather, rinse, repeat. He's stuck in a moment that he can't get out of. Until the day that Jesus decides to pass through Jericho. You see, by now, Jesus has got quite a large group of followers. That's what the story tells us. He's about to pass through Jericho, and a whole bunch of people are starting to line up on the road uh, to see him come through. It's kind of like an accidental parade has popped up, and it turns out that Bartimaeus unexpectedly has a front row seat. What's going on? And he hears that, hey, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And something comes over him when he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by because he decides that he's going to draw enough attention to himself that he shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, pause, time out. I want you to notice something. He was told, and we learn this in the text, that he was told Jesus of Nazareth is coming by, but he shouts out, Jesus, son of David. Now, you don't have to be a a literary scholar to recognize that those two ain't the same thing. He calls Jesus the son of David. And the son of David is a term that refers to the prophesied Messiah, the Savior who would set it all right. Do you know what the prophets said about the son of David in the Old Testament? It says this in Isaiah, that for the son of David, for the Messiah, would say the spirit of the Lord is upon me and I've been anointed to do a handful of things, one of which is to proclaim the recovery of sight to the blind. I wonder why Bartimaeus is excited. He's been sitting there day in, day out, and it just so happens that today Jesus is about to pass by, and for Bartimaeus, who may be blind, can see what that Jericho crowd just can't seem to see, that this isn't just Jesus from a little no-account town of Nazareth, what good can come from Nazareth, we read in John. He's not just some man, this is Jesus the son of David, the Messiah, who can do something that needs to happen in his life. And so he shouts out. It doesn't matter that he's just a beggar. It doesn't matter that everyone around him is more important than he is, and they're all going to heap indignity and insult on him. It doesn't matter because Jesus is in front of him, and he shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd, oh my goodness, there are people all around like behind him, just like y'all are, and in front of him, just like that. And they stand there, my goodness, shut your mouth, Bartimaeus. You're being a little loud. They're, he's embarrassing. Oh, my word. If he just quit drawing attention to himself, if he would just shut his begging little mouth a little bit, my goodness. The Bible says they sternly ordered him to be quiet, like they're his mama and daddy. But listen. When you've been stuck in a rut 
and you faced indignity after indignity, and you see right there standing in front of you all of the hope that you would ever need in the world, none of that matters. You can stand and shout at the top of your lungs, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I, the Bible says, but he yelled all the more loudly. And I'm like, yeah, man, you tell him. But he yelled all the more loudly. I love it. And this is my favorite part in the whole passage. It's verse 49. Uh, I'm aware of the time. Uh, but you've got to hear my favorite part of the passage. Verse 49. Remember that Jesus, the, the, the way this story starts is really weird. It says, and he came to Jericho, and he was about to pass through Jericho. So we know he wasn't going to stay in Jericho. But in verse 49, after Bartimaeus shouts, the Bible says, Jesus stood There's something about the cry of a man who can actually see who Jesus is. There's something about the cry of a desperate heart. There's something about somebody who has the courage to cry out for mercy that stops Jesus dead in his tracks. I love the compassion of Jesus. He says, bring him here to me. And listen to the words that the Bible uses to describe how Bartimaeus acts. It says, he threw off his cloak. And he sprang up and came to Jesus. You can feel the energy. He gently decided he might kind of sort of put his cloak down and decide to get it. No, he threw it off. He sprang up. You can sense the energy in the moment. And Jesus asks him a question that is the very same question that he asked James and John a few moments ago when they wanted to be great. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And there's Bartimaeus standing Everybody's all around him. All this crowd, there's not a friendly audience in sight except for Jesus himself. Could have just said, oh man, never mind Jesus. Forget about me, I'm just a little old blind beggar. But he asks boldly and bravely for the one thing that only Jesus can do for him that he truly needs and he's not afraid to say it out loud and admit it. He says, I want to see doesn't matter what everybody around him is going to think. And he can see. Your faith has made you well. And immediately it says that Bartimaeus jumped up and got on the road to follow with Jesus. He left everything behind there. It doesn't matter that the road is dangerous between there and Jerusalem. It doesn't matter because he's been made whole. He has glimpsed Jesus. And he just wants to make sure that his eyes are fixed on Jesus forever. He's been transformed from, a, from a, a helpless beggar who's going nowhere to a man running on the road from, to life. He's been transformed from a, a blind beggar whose name nobody knows to the man whose name we mention today. He is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, who was bold enough to ask for mercy brave enough to ask for big things. This is Bartimaeus, the man who once was blind and now can see. And he was stuck in a moment until Jesus set him free from it. Now, some of you might very well be thinking, gosh, you know, that sounds all fine and great, uh, preacher man. You're supposed to tell me the story of Jesus. That's fine and good. But that story was years ago. It's a story on a page. What does it really have anything to do with me and the, my heart and my job and my, my house. I mean, 
Jesus, yeah, sure, he walked down the Jericho Road, but there's no way he's about to walk down Caswell Street. And this is a story years ago. And, and even if he would, Jesus would never pass by the dark thing that's happening in my life or the difficult thing that's happening in my life. And I would tell you this. Don't make the same mistake that that crowd made that day. When we talk about Jesus, we're not just talking about some guy named Jesus. He's not just a character in storybooks. We're talking about the living Son of God who right now desires to make you well. The living Son of God who right now will stop in his tracks if you would just simply ask him to help you. The Son of God who loves you with a matchless love and who would at the very request for mercy ask you yes you right now the very same question that he asked a blind man years ago stuck on the side of the road to say to you what do you want me to do for you jesus is about to pass by jesus is about to pass by today in your life in, in this place jesus is coming on the road that we're sitting on. It doesn't matter if you've been stuck on the corner of Barnard and 301 with the intersection of hopeless and worn out. Jesus is about to pass by and will stop if just the cry for mercy. It doesn't matter how difficult the place you're stuck in is because there's not a place that Jesus won't go. We learn this in the scriptures. Jesus has walked the very road that we've walked. He's been to the greatest heights and the lowest lows that life has to offer. And Jesus knows what it's like to be stuck because he's been stuck on a cross and in a tomb. And guess what? The man can break free. And he's about to pass by and he can help you to be free as well. Just cry out for mercy. Be bold enough to say, Jesus have mercy on you. Take, take a, a cue from Bartimaeus. I think, I think that's why he's lifted up because of his boldness to ask for mercy, to say, God, I need your help. I don't care if you have, listen, if you've got to stand up right now and shout at the top of your lungs or interrupt the whole thing and just fall on your feet and knees here at the altar and say, Lord, I need your mercy, go for it. Be bold enough to ask. Be brave enough to ask. Don't worry about what people might think. Oh, gosh. Uh, Jane's gone for that church thing again. No. Ask for what you need from the one who can give it to you. And be bold enough to ask for what you need. The Bible says, ask and you shall what? Receive. Make your requests known to God. In Ephesians, we learn that we serve a God who can do abundantly far beyond anything we could ask or imagine. Make your request known from God. Jesus asks us, what do you want me to do for you? So be bold enough to ask. Are you stuck in a moment in some way that you can't get out of? Have you been kind of stuck in the same spot and it feels like you're going nowhere? Well, take heart. He is calling you. You are in just the right place in your life for Jesus to stop and meet with you. Ask him for mercy and ask him for what you need. It will stop him dead in his tracks and he will give you the freedom that you need. I invite you to pray with me.